It's the show that makes us talk. So if Subway sold Subway sandwiches on the subway, would your meal be dine-in or on the go? What? You're welcome. <laughs> what about our life? With Chris and Will. You remember when my grandmother used to do that? Yes. And I would walk into her house, go up to the counter, and she always wanted to make me food. Yes. She was a home ec teacher. And of course, Willie, skinny as he is, oh, I've got to feed you. Put some meat on your bones. So she would always make this huge buffet when he came in. He did never gain a pound from it, but <laughs> yeah. it was so funny. But um, anyway, this episode is about happiness. So Yay. welcome to another episode of What About Our Life with Chris and Will. Another great topic. Another great guest. But this one is all about happiness. And uh, you know what? What makes me happy? Music, uh, art, uh, anything that's calming, relaxing, helps me get through the day, whatever's going on in my life, the great therapy. So what? what is yours? Mine would be happy faces and music too. Uh, well, for me, creating music. Yes. So uh, you collected the, uh, the happy faces. Uh, it's more of uh, just pillows, beanie babies, uh, pencil toppers. So who inspired you the most? List me a person that you inspired you the most. Robin Williams. Yes. Very great comedian. Yeah. Very great comedian. I would have to say Princess Diana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, very inspiring. She went out and did things no matter what people thought or said. She was very inspiring. So I would say Princess Diana. Walt Disney, of course. Of course. The many times that he was told, no, he was not going to do this. Failed, picked back up, failed again, picked back up, and now look, the company is yeah. unbelievable. Steven Spielberg. Of course, the person who jumped off a tram and started his career yes. to film his first movie. Absolutely. We met Steven. Uh, we actually met him when we were riding a ride. He went to Universal, and we were on the same ride with him. He wanted to share seats with us. Uh, on the row, and we said, of course. And then I met him again when we opened Harry Potter in Hollywood. What an amazing man. Alan was there, of course. So uh, definitely Steven Spielberg. Your favorite Madame Taylor Dane. Yes, love Taylor. Yes, we do love Taylor. Reba McIntyre, mm -hmm. big fan of Reba. Um, so, so yeah, so, you know, a lot of people ask us, what is our secret for being together for 20 years? And... Trust is really not that secret because you would not go into relationship, call a relationship if you didn't trust the other person. So trust is an automatic thing in exactly. my opinion. It's natural. Yes. For us, I think it's about setting goals as far as being fun, being yourself and doing what you want to do and kind of being carefree, carefree with one another. Yeah. And being open too. Yes. Definitely being open because, you know, hey, look, you, you went into it being carefree, so you're going to continue it being carefree. Jealousy and all that nonsense is just not worth it. Yeah. If you're going to be jealous, get out of the relationship. Exactly. It's, it's not worth it. Another great question we always get, best advice to coming out? Come out at your own terms, your own level, and when you're able to be responsible for coming out. Right. Because things can happen. It could be a great uh, thing for you. And it could not. I mean, a lot of people take it differently. A lot of people have to handle it differently. So mm -hmm. follow your own instincts. Whenever you're ready, that's when you do it. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a coming out statement. Um, it could just be your choosing to live your life more for yourself. Yes. And people will uh, will follow yep. along. Or they'll because, do, yeah. to be honest, again, it's all about you. Being gay is not a topic of discussion. I don't know why people bring that up. Mm -hmm. It is That is just a way of life. I mean, we do not talk about 
well, you're not supposed to talk about um, your your heritage and your your backgrounds and your color, your skin, and, and your all ethnicity. That. You are just a human being and a person that's on this planet. Exactly. So you live your life that way. If those that cannot live it like that, you just push them aside. They're not worth the time anyway. Stay out of that drama. It's not worth it. Mm-hmm. Choose your happiness. That's the yes. best way to do it is choose your happiness. Well, we got engaged last year. Willie put me on a scavenger hunt in Disney. Yes. 21 Clues. Four theme parks. All over Walt Disney World, yes. Mm-hmm. We got clues from friends from Instagram, friends we've known, top executives, all kinds of stuff. It was very interesting. Yep. They either called Chris or they gave him a video clue. Yes. Um, then we get married later this year in December. We'll talk more about that later. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that we've never told anybody, not even our wedding party knows, is that we're building a castle backdrop for our Disney wedding. Yay! Yes. yes, we have a designer that's building it. Design it. We've got the sets. It looks really, really nice. Uh, we're excited about that. It is a Disney wedding. I did say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, December, we have a lot of our industry friends that are coming to perform, speak, or actually be there. It's a celebration of our life. It is a celebration of our life. 35 members of the wedding party all together. It's like a royal themed wedding. Mm-hmm. And it's like going to a show, a production. Uh, it's not like going to see a normal wedding. Yes. So it's very inspiring. But we're going to do something about that later. Inspiring. Yes. <laughs> well, inspiring, inspiring, whatever, however you want to say it. I don't care. Um, but anyway, and yeah, you know, Willie and I are mentors to each other simply because, you know, we've been in this game for a long time. We know each other's strengths. Yes, we do. And we used to not label ourselves at all. For uh-huh. the longest time, we didn't. And then we just decided to. I think we were. But we, even now, we don't really label no, we it. We don't. We I don't. mean, it's more just that we know that we have our circle. Yes. It's the two of us. Yeah. And we're not very affectionate in public. That's yeah. just who we are. And, you know, we, we're very private in our life. And when people do ask, we talk about it. So mm-hmm. that's how we choose our happiness, is we like that exclusion for ourselves. And, you know, we do have a problem with letting people in and sometimes we let them too far in Uh and it becomes a problem. But not anymore. We've kind of changed that. So that's how you choose your happiness. Because today, our special guest, her new book, she's an author, her new book is called Choosing Happiness. So we're talking all about that, something Willie and I have been practicing for many years. Yes. And uh, we still do. So Choosing Happiness is a great book. Um, Say her name. Rudrani Davy. Yes, so she's going to be with us today. She's actually a survivor from a terrorist attack. We're going to talk about that. So sit back, get ready, relax, because it's time to choose your happiness with Rudrani. So Rudrani's coming up. Today, we would love to welcome, best known for being an intuitive healer, and she also has a new book out called Choosing Happiness, an uncommon way to find joy in your life, Rudrani Davy. Hi, Rudrani. Hi, how are you doing, Will? I'm doing great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so good to talk to you again. It's been a long time. It has been quite a while since we've seen the beach. That is it, true. Yes, it has. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know about you, but we do dearly miss the beach. I went to Mexico Beach Um earlier in the what was March and I'm already I'm already crying because I <laughs> the beach is like my second home so yep yeah mm-hmm. you know we used to have a we used to have an apartment on the beach over in uh, Palm Bay the um, it was kind of near uh, what is it 
It was near uh, Melbourne. Melbourne Beach in mm-hmm. Florida. It was oh. on the Atlantic side. Correct. And do you know we we would rarely go to the beach? <laughs> it was so <laughs> you funny. Were there, you didn't go, but now that you're not there, you're missing exactly, it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Because we found ourselves driving more inland to Orlando oh. than we did spending more time at the beach. And it was nice. The weather was always breezy and cold, but yeah. it was like, okay, all right, that's wonderful. The beach is next door. Okay, all right. Let's drive in town. (laughs) Yeah, let's go to Applebee's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So it's like, okay. So I guess that's the feeling you get when you you live in an area for so long. So so before we get a little bit started, I guess, tell me a little bit about who Rue is. And I'm going to use your, uh, the nickname Rue. So tell me a little about uh, yourself and kind of before you go into the main story and then I guess pick it up from that point into the main story. Sure, Chris. So um, I've had several different jobs in my life, but uh, I I would say that throughout all those jobs, I always knew that I had this knowing, this perceiving uh, from the other side. Um, Uh It's a lineage in my family. My mother is from Italy and her grandmother and great grandmother were both mediums. And uh, in fact, it was her grandmother that told her she was gonna have a prophetic child. So Uh what that looks like, is basically after I was born, I was talking to the glow people from my crib. That's how my mother tells it. Wow. And she, she said my eyes would be squinting, but it would be dark, and she'd be looking, and she didn't see anything. And yet, she also has a knowing. Hers shows up in a different way, where I'll, I will perceive things audibly and visually not as much as I used to as a child. Um, mm-hmm. There's That's always been throughout my entire life, and it's always led me to all these different tasks or, or jobs that I've had. Um, and most recently, my, the clinic that I have, the Davy Clinic, which is a holistic healthcare clinic where I do uh, verbal processing and energy therapies, um, tuning forks. I have an aromatherapy company that also plays into the practice and uh, the treatment that I do for my clients. Oh, so wow. that's a, um, and so then, tell me about the 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 story i don't want to say it, i call it the main story but i don't want to say it's the main story because it's not a great great story it was an experience i guess um it was an unexpected experience and that's yes. you know, it's, it's one of those life-changing moments i've had a couple of life-changing moments um uh i'll, I'll tell the first one which is not the story you know and then i'll tell the second one it's gotcha. always it's something that always you know, when, when you're going along in your life and then all of a sudden something shows up for you that changes your perspective and changes uh, how you live the rest of your life. And uh-huh. the first for me was in college. I went to college. Um, I graduated earlier. I got to college at a very young age and I uh, missed my first day of classes because I didn't know you couldn't mix alcohol. <laughs> so, oh. I had a friend who said, oh, we're going to go to all these frat parties. And so, you know, I don't, being Italian, we always had wine on the table. I never thought much of it. But I would go to these, I went to these frat parties. And at one place, they had PGA Punch. At another one, they had beer. At another one, I don't know. So I wake up at my friend's apartment. And she's left a note practically uh, taped to my face. It was <laughs> literally, I opened my eyes and I could see it saying, I tried to wake you, I had to go to my classes, best of luck, you know, and, and I thought, oh, crap. So I did the run of shame, heels in my hands, uh, back to, to my dorm, and managed to make it to my second class, but not my first class. 
So after that time, I went to the guidance counselor and said, um, okay, I missed my first class. And, and what happens the first day is if you don't show up, they take you off the roster and someone on the waiting list gets your spot. Oh. So, yeah. So at least that's how it was uh, back in the day when I was at UT Knoxville. So I, um, I had a choice of two electives. One was uh, astronomy. And one, Very interesting. Wow. One was astronomy. The other one was religious studies. And I don't know. I thought, I'll just do the religious studies class. That'll be an easy <laughs> A. Why not? So, I, but I had to go immediately. They gave me the note and I went immediately to the class and the class was almost over. So I was one of those add-ons for that class. Uh-huh. And what had happened was I walked in through the side door and because um, I saw... I saw a desk, but I didn't see the classroom. And I come busting in with my sheet, go right to the teacher to hand it to him. And he goes, yeah, so you, you need to, to take a seat. And he points up at the stadium seal, uh, seating <laughs> class. <laughs> and it's like a left-handed desk all the way in the far corner, the very last row. And you can't make wow. this. So, yeah, so I I'm embarrassingly <laughs> walk up, <laughs> uh, take my seat. And um, he begins to continue with the class. And he says, you're, you're just like, uh, I'm here, but nobody pay attention, please. Just keep going, keep going. <laughs> well, it was uh, it was very interesting because, you know, the teacher didn't even say a word until I actually sat down. So he could have heard a pin drop. Oh, wow. <laughs> vividly, at my young age of um, 17, as of maybe a week, I was 17 years old, a week into first starting college. So. Um, he starts a class. He says, our first uh, reading is going to be, or first studies are going to be about um, Tibetan Buddhists or uh, or Buddhism. Right, and yeah. I didn't know anything about it. And uh, these guys, uh, one guy slammed his fist on the desk and he said, Jesus Christ is my personal Lord and Savior. And he got up to walk out and two others followed him that looked like jocks as well. And then the teacher um, took off his earth shoes, sat in the middle of the desk. <laughs> cross leg, you know, not the chair, the desk, and uh, took off his wire rim glasses, kind of a hippie sort of dude, and goes, well, I guess now we can we can start the class. We have the people that want to be here. And he listed the reading, and then he said, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to lead you into a guided meditation. Hmm. And I, I thought, what have I gotten myself into here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's a religious studies course. I don't know, you know, Zazen and Buddhism is, or whatever it was we were studying. And so he had us close our eyes, and I followed this visualization. The next thing I remembered was feeling hands on my shoulders and the warmth of his breath as he leaned in and he says in my ear, I knew you were a natural when you walked in. I could see it in your energy field. And I thought, okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's a very weird thing to say. But I opened my (laughs) eyes, and the classroom is empty. And I was the only one sitting there. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I went someplace. In, in, in my mind, I'm thinking, did I did I go to sleep? Did I fall asleep? I mean, it was a late night. I had a lot to drink. You know, I had a hangover. Um, was, did I did I make all this up? You know, <laughs> am, I, yeah. am, I, am I still dreaming? And I'm going to wake up any minute in my dorm room. And But no, it was a real thing. I took the class. I found it very interesting. I ended up taking every religious studies course offered at this university and ended up with a minor in religious studies. And it, it opened the door to other possibilities. Uh-huh. So I guess that was uh, my first uh, life-changing aha thing that uh-huh. sort of happened. It was kind of one of those, 
um, experiences you didn't expect to have, but an experience that you were glad you had. Exactly. Yes. Whereas the next one was <laughs> <laughs> probably the exact opposite of that. Yeah. Or, or, or I look back on it now and, and think differently about it. But at the time, you know, if I'd been, if, if God had come to me and said, okay, Rudrani, um, you're going to go to India and you're going to have this horrific experience, but out of it, you're going to gain a lot of knowledge and you're going to help a lot of people. Uh-huh. And I'd be like, okay, so that sounds great. What, what does that look like? And, and God says, um, well, you're going to be sitting in a restaurant in Mumbai, India, and there's going to be this terrorist attack. And these terrorists are going to come in and shoot everybody. And you're going to get out of there, but you're going to get pretty shot up. And um, you won't be able to walk for a couple of years. And uh, But your whole life is going to change, and it's going to be amazing. Right. And I'll be like, you know. So then I'll just kind of look at her and go, okay, God, well, that sounds, that sounds phenomenal, maybe. Uh-huh. But what's my second choice? You know, that would, have been, <laughs> that would have probably handled that conversation. But looking back on it now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing, actually. Now, have you been back to India since then? I have not. Um, evidently, me forgiving the Pakistani terrorists was not something that the Indians... Uh, aligned and agreed with uh-huh. so i'm not invited to come back <laughs> <laughs> wow. i had planned on it and then uh, it was interesting a couple of the doctors from the uh, uh hospital that i stayed in or that treated me that removed the bullet from my femur um unfriended me when they found out that i was um you know, that i had forgiven the terrorists really? you know, I, I was in the wrong place oh. at the time well they have a different point of view about all of that you know they're yeah. they're mortal enemies and uh, there was a no gun law in India until this attack happened. Now all the now all the police don't just carry bobby sticks; they carry pistols. Right. So it's changed quite a bit. It was uh, noted as the Mumbai massacre. It happened on the 26th of November 2008, and uh, which was in the U.S. our Thanksgiving Day. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Very interesting the timing. So going back on that a little bit. Um, I'm sure you have a, a gazillion of them, but what was actually your thoughts going on in your head? I, I, I read where um, I think you were the one that said, get underneath the table and uh, play dead, I think, at one point. Yeah. And so what what was the most outstanding thought? I, and outstanding not meaning great, but outstanding thought that you can remember the one thought that you said in your head during that time period that all that was going on. Wow. That's that's a very good question because there were so many thoughts that came at once. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I, I thought there were very clearly in my mind, I thought, well, you know, I guess this is it. And the only two people that aren't going to get it are going to be my mother and my husband. I was married at the time. Uh-huh. And um, and I mean, that's that, that's a weird thought to have. You already you're already like, OK, I'm, I'm, this is going to be it. I'm cashing in. Um, right. The reason why I even said everyone get under the table now, I realize now in hindsight, um, I was a film producer for several years and I represented different directors. And one of my directors ended up being an executive producer and director on a little known at the time uh, pilot for HBO called The Sopranos. And right. mm-hmm. the first four episodes. And in one of the episodes, there's a scene where Tony Soprano is sitting in a restaurant and um, they know a hit's going down. 
So when uh, the guy comes in, the shooter, he says, drop, and everybody hits the floor, and the guy gets taken out. They drag him through the kitchen, out through the alley, and, you know, they get rid of him. And then they all sit back up again and go back to eating their pasta. And so <laughs> I, had, I had that awareness, you know, for a split second that we need to get out of the way. They're, these are disgruntled employees or something, and they're just going to come and take out whoever it is. And if we get out of the way, we'll be fine. Um, you know, all this at the same time when you said outstanding. Um, and then that wasn't the case. They were wanting to kill everybody in the hotel. Um, right pretty much you know, killed everybody in the restaurant I was in. There was only four of us that survived. And those four were under my table. Wow. Evidently, very, very difficult to point a semi-automatic down to the ground because of the kickback. Uh -huh. So although I got hit, I didn't, I didn't have any fatal uh, wounds. I was very lucky. My femur was shattered, my tricep was shot out, and my neck was grazed. My friend next to me got shot in the head and uh, was fortunately gone immediately. Um, and I believe they thought I was dead because when he got shot, he was so close to me that um, all the blood and brains and bones and all that ended up all over my my head. So uh -huh. I'm sure like I had, was uh, taken out as well. And I played dead and his daughter was killed as well. She was screaming. And so they kept coming back and shooting at us. So um, they took her out. And then the rest of us, there were six under our table, so four of us managed to survive, but I was dragged out by my wrists. I, I heard someone calling from the kitchen, um, Indian accent, if you want to survive, you must come now, you know? And so I, right. I realized then I can't get up. So I threw my wrists up and just said, drag me. And this angel comes running out of the kitchen, you know, and all this is going on, grabs me by the wrists and drags me into the kitchen. And that brought attention to us again. And the terrorists came after us, one of them at least. And they started shooting at the door. They barricaded the door. Uh, then a grenade came in through the um, service window and landed about, I don't know, three feet from my face. Wow. Like one of those little miniature Coke cans, and it was ticking. And I said, okay, we, you know, you guys need to get out of here. I pretty much said, okay, I'm not going to get lucky twice. But it didn't right. go off dud. I deed it to the FBI when they came to interview me in the hospital. And, and they said, yeah, that's a Chinese grenade because they showed me pictures, and I was able to ID it. And, they, and it must have been very old because those are supposed to go off. Grenades are supposed to go off on impact. You're not supposed to see them ticking. <laughs> so wow. fortunate. And we managed to get out of there. They broke the door down. Um, the keys were on the manager that was shot in the restaurant because I saw them when they were dragging me out of there. And uh, when we got out into the street and I could see the chaos, I realized, oh, this isn't just a disgruntled employee or two. This is actually... Uh, you know, a terrorist attack. This is happening in all of India, so, or all of Mumbai, anyway, that city. And uh -huh. they managed to flag down a car and get me to the hospital then. So, pretty horrific experience. Um, wouldn't wish it on anyone. And uh -huh. at the time, you know, it's so funny now when you think about it, and I don't mean funny, haha, -ha, I'm sure you guys get it. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, and it's like all these terrorist attacks, and they're happening at home. Doesn't even make sense. You know. Yeah, I was going to ask you on that, um, because the closest relation that we would have to something like that was Pulse. And so I was going to ask you, said when you heard about the, the Pulse incident uh, back in 2016, yeah. what was your, I mean, the Boston Marathon happened, but um, for us, Pulse was the, the closest one. So when that happened and you saw that, I mean, did it almost give you flashbacks for your experience during that time? 
you're, it's such an interesting question because I've had a lot of things going on recently, um, including flashbacks and night terrors. Um, I, I decided to get off of all of my, um, medications, which weren't anything super exciting. Um, allergy meds, birth control and uh-huh. spirit lactone, which is for adult acne. And I was, I was popping Advil and migraine meds. And I thought, here, I'm a holistic practitioner and I'm taking all this junk that is suppressing me. I need right. to get off of it. So I started doing homeopathy. And when that happened, all those suppressants weren't there anymore. And the homeopathy was actually pulling up cellular memory in my body. Wow. So I noticed with PTSD and I thought, oh my gosh, this is showing up 10 years later. This is bizarre. But I knew what it was. I started doing all the research. I was listening to audible books about PTSD because yeah. I had been treating clients for it, you know, and they would tell me their experiences where they had had, um, where they'd have flashbacks or they mm-hmm. would, have, um, panic attacks. I didn't personally ever experience this. So the interesting thing, when you asked me about pulse, um, I didn't at that time, I didn't have any, I didn't have any symptoms of PTSD because I was suppressing everything. So they weren't, uh-huh. nothing was coming up. But after I started this homeopathy, I had um, short-term memory loss. I had um, restless leg syndrome. Mm-hmm. Now it's PTSD in people's bodies while, while they're relaxing, their body's trying to get rid of it. I mean, this is a speculation. I don't know yet. I'm doing a lot of research because I plan on writing a book about my experience. Um, mm-hmm. I went to a brain doctor and they said, um, well... We, we need to give you depress, you know, antidepressants. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't uh-huh. want to suppress any of this. So I finally found three holistic uh, practitioners, um, very uh, well-known in their fields. And we started to work on unwinding this stuff. And I would have flailing. My body would be flailing because it was trying to unwind all of this stress in my body. But I didn't have one flashback about India. I didn't have one night terror about India. It was all uh, from childhood abuse and from relational abuse, different relationships I had been in. Uh-huh. And I hadn't done the work for those. I had been, you know, I went into India as a practitioner and already had these tools. Yeah. So, and I wasn't angry with the terrorists because I knew they were brainwashed and I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I had a different point of view about it all. So right. none of the flashbacks and all that even occurred until... November of last year, which was around the 10 year anniversary. And I managed to unwind, I believe, all of it uh, by March of this oh, year. Nice. Well, congratulations so, yes, on congratulations. that. Congratulations. How- so it's like, but there is a way to unwind the trauma drama from your body and do it holistically. So wow. that's, that's kind of what I want to work on next is to be able to share that with people. So how long um, did it actually take for you to actually get home uh, from India? Yeah, they had me in ICU for nearly two weeks because uh, I was critical. I had lost um, four, was it four pints of blood? And you're only made up of seven, I think. Oh, wow. I lost a lot of weight. Um, I was going in and out a lot. Uh, you know, I was cognitive of what had happened. But I was very weak and in a lot of pain. It was so <laughs> yeah. Full being shot, you guys. I mean, wow. Um, uh-huh. Shattered leg, and we didn't know it was shattered. They X-rayed my leg and said the bullet had chipped the bone, and you could see that the bullet was lodged on my femoral artery. It was literally laying there, and they told me when we go in to remove it, 
if it's punctured, you're not going to live. Wow. It's and not- you had you had a different belief though during that time that you are going to live, and here we are talking today. Yeah. I was like, yeah, you know, they're, when they're telling me this thing, they said you're never going to walk again. And hello, I ran the Boston Marathon. I mean, it's Adidas heard my hard luck story, and they gave me a hard luck pass to run it. I it was my worst time ever. I ran it in five hours. You know, <laughs> my foot was mm-hmm. black, but I, you know, I did it. I crossed the finish line, and it was one of the most joyous moments of my, my life wasn't definitely wasn't my best time. It was my 10th marathon. It was my bucket list. So, so what was going through your head during that time? Um, and the Boston marathon. Well, I, it was interesting because I, my foot fell asleep and it became very hard for me to run. And this was early on in the race. I can't even remember which mile it was. So I stopped at a tent just to see what was going on. And they massaged my leg and my foot and everything. And my thought at that point was, Oh my goddess, I have got to do this thing. I'm not gonna get another chance to uh-huh. do it. I don't want to train again. I'd only trained up to I think like twelve miles. You know, they're they're twenty six point two miles, y'all. <laughs> That's <laughs> how long it takes. But I couldn't train that far because my trainer and I were concerned that um I would injure myself and I was just gonna go for it when I got there. I was gonna walk if I had to and do what I needed to do. So when they weren't going to let me back on the in the race because my my foot was completely numb and they knew my history, I had to get a note from my doctor to even run this thing, and he didn't want to give it to me. I, I knew he didn't want to give it to me. Wow. Um, but I uh, I was like pleading with this guy, and I said, "Listen, I've got to run this thing, even if I have to walk." I said, "I'm getting the feeling back in my foot. I'm going to be fine." And he goes, "Well, you know, I can't do anything if you just." I just go over here and you just happen to leave. So that's what he did. And I, and I went out the back way of the tent and I continued running, you know, and I had to go to all these check-ins because, you know, they knew I was a special case and they would yeah. ask, how are you doing? And I'm going great. And I'm like, Oh my God, my foot, my leg hurts <laughs> so bad. But um, when I was, when I crossed the finish line, I, I thought I'd be crying and I was actually giggling. I was Wow, that's really good. Like it like changed just completely how you thought you were going to feel about it and instead you were just really you're laughing and you're really excited. That's My body was amazing. so happy, Will. It was the you know you know how it is when your body's really happy and you can feel it kind of shaking because it's uh-huh. so You know, it's the same way if you're fearful, it's kind of a different kind of shaking. Yeah, yeah. These were really smart. They're very smart and you know, there was no room for tears in those 10 seconds. I mean, I do cry usually out of joy now mm-hmm. more so, but, um, yeah, it was, it was that experience where I couldn't even control it. My whole body was laughing. Oh, know? I think my body would be laughing too, but I think it would be saying, thank God this is over with <laughs> Don't do this again. <laughs> well, it was my last marathon. I ran a few half marathons after I wrote my second book. Um, Cause I would be at the, I would get invited to these races and do book signings and, you know, kind of an inspiring story to run a marathon after your leg's been shattered and told you never walk again. So I, I like to be an inspiration. I figure I'm still yeah. here. I'm going to use my, my last years on well, this planet. You, you know, I've always told Willie, I said, you know, I, I really, I really want to do some 5k marathons and, the one thing Willie will turn around and look at me and say, you don't even like getting on the treadmill. How are you going to mm. do a marathon? And it's like, walk, I guess. And you they'll, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you got to walk before you can run. You know, yep. that's, that's how it is with anything. Just baby mm-hmm. steps. 
And yeah. I actually did a, a 5K marathon in 2016, but I didn't train for it. I was just, every day I was walking, um, I would walk like a mile or two um, if I was going to work somewhere. And it was on an uphill, uh, I wouldn't say like a mountain, but it was a really steep hill. So right. I, my body just got accustomed to it. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to go walking. Some days I would do like a brisk walk. Sure. And, and I would do that on, you know, when I'm done, just walk back down the hill again. And by the time the uh, marathon came around, I went ahead and I did it. And I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. It's a 5K. <laughs> I'm over here. Okay, I'm going to start off slow. Just, you know, keep my pace. And then I'm like, all right, I'm going to give that burst of energy. And I'm just going to, I'm going to do a sprint. And then I'd be like, all right, maybe I should have not have done that. So I'm going <laughs> to chill out a little bit. And then I would walk a little bit and I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to do what I want to do. You know, I'm not going to compare myself to others who are going to get there in the fastest time. And so when I did that, I felt greater. I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to take a few pictures as I'm going along. And when I finished, I finished at around 29 minutes. So oh, I, was, I was really proud of myself that I did that. You're a really good time, Willie. You did great. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, meanwhile, while he was doing it, he's like, do you want to go? No, I'm, I'm staying home. And I was in bed. I stayed in bed. <laughs> and so when he came back, you were still in bed? Yes, I was. <laughs> yep. Because the marathon was like five or six o'clock in the morning. And that's way wow. too early for me. That's so the Disney marathon. They, they start you super early because it's uh -huh. so hot. Yes, and he did, and he did, and I'm like, uh -uh, I'm not doing that. I just, I go, just bring me a t-shirt, I'll be fine. I'll just say I did it, and <laughs> and I'm good. And he did. He brought me the t-shirt. I now, did. I, I did. haven't told people that I've done it, but you know. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's our secret, but now it's out to the world. Yep, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So if you ever if you ever visit our house and you see the t-shirt on the wall, remember, Chris did not do the run. That's Willie right. did. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. So going back a little bit more um, now, you, you told a little bit of the story about your past. You used to work in the entertainment industry and a little bit of that. Do you miss that at all? Was that a calling for you or was that just by coincidence and it just you're glad it's over? I went to college actually uh, to get a broadcasting and communications major. But when I went to first came to Nashville, um, I auditioned for a band. <laughs> so I was in an all the rock band. And to support my band habit, I, uh, I taught ballet, tap, jazz, and I taught bodybuilding at a, <laughs> at a gym. I had all, <laughs> and I bartended. So I had all these odd jobs. You know, I was, um, I was bodybuilding in college. See what I'm saying? It's like I, I would do so many different little things. And, and I guess to answer your question, it, when something stops exciting me, when I'm not having fun anymore, I'm done. You know, yes. so I would look at the next thing and then something else would come along and I go, oh, maybe I want to do this. I think I'll do this for a while. And so I would do that for a while until it wasn't fun anymore and then do something else. So the the broadcasting, I mean, it was a lot of fun. I got to work with a lot of artists. Um, we created some beautiful videos and some concerts. And what really happened there, I mean, I probably would still be in it if it hadn't been for the fact that. Uh, the technology just got better and better. And before you know it, anybody can make a music video. Right. I mean, at the time that I was stepping out, uh, high eight cameras were really popular. And now you can make a video with your iPhone. So yes. editing and everything. So um, I just kind of lost interest because the art wasn't there anymore. It wasn't the film anymore. 
you know, we were shooting on film and then you go into Telesony where you put it all to tape, you edit it, you do color correction, and then you would put together this masterpiece and it would take a while and everybody thinks you can shoot a video and it's done in a day. And this would be a process that could last two to th two to three weeks. Right. And all the people were able to turn something around in two or three days. Um, it wasn't that fun anymore. I was like, yeah, and it, nobody seemed to care about the quality. So for me, um, that made it easy for me to segue because at that time, I was doing uh, readings and um, I could move energy in people's bodies and I would be doing it for the artist or the management. And so when I actually hung a shingle and started getting my certifications, I already had clientele coming to me and they were of a, of a, you know, that different kind of thing. It wasn't just anybody. It was, you know, artists and management. And then I got a reputation after India with athletes because if I can heal my body, you know, someone who's not supposed to walk again, then maybe, you know, there's some validity to what I, to what I do. And I'm not into the new age thing. I mean, it, maybe it sounds like it when I say reading, uh, I just have talents and abilities that um, I'm very confident in. And, mm -hmm. and I teach others how to talk to their bodies and how to connect that way as well. I think anybody can, right. you know, I don't, I think that what we do is we decide we can't, or this reality decides we can't. And so we don't even try, you know, exactly. Energy is my first language. So believe me, I, I can teach anybody how to run energy through bodies. I have a class I love called access bars. It's the first class in access consciousness. And it's the first time people in a lot of cases ever even uh, receive anything because it's very hard for people in this reality to receive. I've noticed, you know, <laughs> they just don't, yeah. they don't, uh, I mean, you know, massage is receiving. And I'm surprised at how many people don't get regular massages. I mean, I get two to four a month. Because oh, my body, wow. is, yeah, it's like that, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so how would you, going, going a little bit into what you just said, uh, how, how would you explain, help us, I guess, explain a little bit to how other people view our life? Because our life is almost the same thing as a little bit of a little bit different from what you do. But the fact that, you know, we we've touched into so many different industries and mm -hmm. we've gone to so many different places to the point to where sometimes our own family and friends are like, we don't know where you're living because one month you're here and the next month you're here or yep. you're doing this or you're doing that. And it's kind of hard to explain to them, to let them know that, you know, well, that's just how we are. We like to be mobile. We like yes. to be, I don't know if the word is flexible, but mm -hmm. we like to be open to what the world has to offer that we enjoy, you know? So how would you go across and explaining that? Well, I mean, as far as what I do and, and why I've chosen what I do and how and all of that or, yeah, yeah. People ask me, I mean, a lot of people go, because what is exactly you do? <laughs> I'm like, uh -huh. mm, exactly. All right, let's see. Let me try to explain that in two minutes. Um, I usually point to the website because it has a lot of explanation there. But generally speaking, when somebody comes to me for a session, this is different from me teaching classes. Someone comes to me for, for um, um, a lot of cases on the last ditch effort for them because they've tried uh -huh. uh, all the uh, practical uh, routes that haven't worked out for them. And they hear about me doing something with somebody that, you know, had problems and, and then they had a few sessions and the problems were gone. Um, when someone comes to see me, I sit down across from them and I ask them, what is it you would like to receive from this session? And they'll go into their story and they'll tell me, you know, it's, it maybe it's a physical thing. <clears throat> maybe it's an emotional thing. Sometimes it's a relational relationship type of thing. 
And as they're talking, I'm watching their body. And I don't mean just body language. I'm watching their body pop. The, like Different parts of their body will kind of flash at me and say, yeah, they're holding, they're holding this cellular memory here about this breakup. Or um, this is the area that's being affected. And what happens, um, and I've noticed that it's, it's usually an emotional thing that starts the physical pain in the body. Usually. Uh-huh. It can be childhood abuse. It can be from anything. Um, in some cases, it is physical. Um, but it's, you know, it's a matter of like if they have a car accident, they're going to have some physical ailments. And that's not a, something that was triggered by emotions. Unless they were fighting when they were driving the car and didn't see the semi coming at them or, or whatever it is. Uh-huh. But for example, with athletes, they may have an area that gets repeatedly injured. And, um, and I, <laughs> so funny, the man that wrote the forward to my first book, Soul Survivor, was my doctor, Dr. Burton Elrod, who for several years was the Titans football um, doctor here in Nashville, uh-huh. only retired a couple of years ago. And um, he can feel energy. And here he is, um, an orthopedic surgeon, and didn't really talk about it much, but, you know, he understood, you know, that I could feel and sense energies. And so he would send them to me He goes, well, I don't know what it is exactly she does, but just go over there and you'll feel better. <laughs> and so I would also get these athletes that would repeatedly injure a certain part of their body. And what we discovered, or this is what, this is what my awareness was, um, usually it was in something emotional that the body in one area is more vulnerable than any other area. And so they would have a propensity to keep injuring the same spot. But once we actually remove the emotional aspect of it, which we can do with verbal processing um, to unwind it out of the body, different clearing statements. And in fact, um, if your listeners want to know about clearing statements, they can go to the clearingstatement.com. Access Consciousness explains beautifully how this clearing statement actually can unwind anything in the body. Uh, nice. And it sounds really strange. Um, it, it, it goes like this, right, wrong, good, bad, all nine, pot and pop, shorts, boys and beyonds. So... Anyway, that's a whole nother yes. call. <laughs> that's literally a whole nother call. So, you know, yes. <laughs> go to, you know, www, uh, you know, the three W's, the clearingstatement.com. And if they want to know more, they can, they can reach out to me and I can certainly yes. <laughs> get more. But we do these verbal processes <clears throat> that actually trick the body into letting go of the stuff that isn't serving them anymore. And then I get them on the table and I run some um, energy processes on them as well. And what we do is if we can unwind whatever it was emotionally that causes to begin with, uh, they don't injure these areas of their body anymore. At least that's been my experience. It's pretty phenomenal. And even with yeah, it is. Um, this class access bars, it's 32 points on the head. Then when you touch them in different groupings, uh, releases the thoughts, feelings, and emotions that are keeping these things stuck in the body. And those are the lower harmonics. Thoughts, feelings, and emotions. The higher harmonics are perceiving, knowing, being, and receiving. And you can even just perceive the difference in the energy of those words, just when I say them, that those, those are the higher uh, vibrations of how we receive on this planet. You know? Wow, that, that is so cool because um, talking about that uh, limitations and how they can just be gone, you know, just by letting go of them. Um, and then when they're gone, then there's limitless possibilities. Absolutely. Um, that, it's it, magic. <laughs> <laughs> that anything is possible for them to choose, for any person to choose. Absolutely. You absolutely nailed it. That's the thing. You know, you've got to be willing to choose. 
you got to be willing to choose it, you know, because you can change anything by choosing. You don't have to be married to anything. So you decided to do this particular job in your life. What if it doesn't excite you anymore? Guess what? You get to, you can choose something else. You're not married to it, you know? So that would come into, I was going to ask you this, but I think you pretty much answered it. Mm -hmm. My biggest phrase that I learned from someone, and I use that now when I'm trying to describe a person and how they're acting, Mm -hmm. um, I always sit there and say, remember, they chose that life. So so I was going to say, you agree with that statement that people choose their life and, and what's going on and how they deal with it. Absolutely. You can choose fear. You can choose hatred. You can choose joy. You can choose happiness. You can choose anything. It's just a choice. Right. We get distracted by our emotions. And like, have you ever met somebody that they, they've, they met a person and, oh my gosh, this person hung the moon and all they can do is talk about this person. And it's like they've forgotten their entire life. It's like their life didn't even exist before because this person, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, a year later you talk to the same person and all of a sudden, oh my gosh, this person did them so much wrong in their life. Uh-huh. And so they're all sucked into now the wrongness of it. First it was the rightness and now it's the wrongness. And they distracted themselves out of being themselves. You know, they literally a different person because they tried to cut their arms and legs off to fit into a relationship that didn't even work for them to begin with. You know, well, it was all, it's funny because when we were when I was going through your book and uh, I can't remember which chapter it is. It talks about uh, buying the story or don't buy the story, whichever <laughs> yeah. one it was. Yeah, um, yeah that's, a, and, that's a goodie. <laughs> yes, it is. And I, I would I would explain to Willie, I go, you know what? Now, I'm not going to mention any names on this show on who I'd be pointing fingers at. But I would go, now, such and such, you know how this person would sit here and go through their entire life story with you because they're wanting something from it. Mm-hmm. And if you sit there and you listen to it and you gulp it in, you give in to them, then guess what? It don't solve the problem. Right. And. You know, so I found that to be an an interesting topic in the book because I'm like, that is, it's so true. There's so many people, especially now, that are, that they have, everybody has their own story. That's a given. Yes. Sure. But, you know, the ones that know how to write their, their journey or their book, it's like, you can, you can tell they're writing it in the right direction. But then the others, they're like writing an essay and waiting for you to grade them, you know? (laughs) I love it. And it's it's true, though. really one of my favorite tools. And gosh, that's towards the end of the book. That's the ninth tool. There's 10 tools in there. And then I've got other little little words of wisdom here and there, I think, that, you know, that were taught to me. These are not tools that I made up. These are access consciousness tools. But the the entire ninth tool is do not listen to tell or buy the story. Now, if you're telling a story because, like, for example, in the book, I'm telling several little stories. But I'm not buying those stories. Those are just little journeys that I took that led me in the right direction or, let's say, led me in a generative direction, even if it didn't look like it at the time. You know, something bad happens, whatever, it leads you to something else, whether it's good or bad. But, you know, good or bad, right, wrong, those are just points of view, you know. Right. Someone says you're beautiful, that's just their point of view. If they say you're a dumbass, that's just their point of view. Exactly. They're showing wow. their point of view. It doesn't mean that you're beautiful or that you're a dumbass. It could mean that you're both. Who knows? If you if you buy the story, if you buy the story, you're aligning and agreeing. And if yeah. you're buying the story, you know you're either going to align and agree. Oh, they're so right. I'm so terrible. Or you're going to resist and react and say, Well, what the fuck do they know? You know, I'm I'm a great person. I'm not this or whatever. But what if you just didn't buy the story at all? What if you just saw it as an interesting point of view? And that's actually one of the tools too. 
Yeah, I was going to yeah. bring that up. I was going to say, explain more about the interesting point of view, because that <laughs> perception can be taken in so many different ways. Yeah. And it's so funny because it really depends on the person you're telling that to. Because <laughs> if you get one of those those type of uh, individuals that think that everything in their world is right and there's no wrong with it, and you tell them interesting point of view, then they're going to perceive that as you're agreeing with them. You know what I'm saying? Okay. They can think you're agreeing with them. It doesn't mean you are. It doesn't mean you're buying their Exactly. <laughs> I mean, if that's going to give them what they can receive and it gets you out of it, sure, why not? Oh, interesting yeah. point of view. You have that point of view. I never thought of it that way. And sometimes yeah. I do Sometimes I, I do that. Sometimes I just say, oh, cool. <laughs> uh -huh. They give me their story. I go, oh, cool. Okay. Or Did the you better, the better one. It is what it is, you know. Right. I mean, I didn't. I didn't say anything that made it sound like I was agreeing with them or disagreeing with them. I'm just right. going, oh, great. You know, everything is just a, an interesting point of view. Is a great way of unsticking yourself. You know, literally, because if something, you know, somebody says something to you and it makes you feel heavy, the way to get out of it is, well, interesting point of view. I have that point of view about their point of view. Yeah. <laughs> it really is just your point of view of their point of view that really doesn't have anything to do with you it's really just their point of view what if it was just a point of view and you don't make it significant at all wow, Isn't that wow. Cool? and the really interesting thing because you're talking about how you respond to other people with the interesting point of view, but also that you can change how you feel. Um, I met in one of your chapters, it was 10 second, 10 second increments yeah. and uh, any person's willing to change if they're willing to change. Yeah. Live in 10 second increments. It was like I was saying before, just because you decided on a particular career path doesn't mean you can't change your mind. You know, you can go to a party and then go, you know what? This is not what I thought it was going to be. This is not fun for me. What else would I rather do? You know, it's, I do this with, um, with, uh, with, the, with a couple of classes I teach. I'll go, okay, you got 10 seconds to live your life. What are you going to choose? And people usually have this dumbfounded look on their face, you know, the, the dog that tilts the head sideways, like, huh? And I'm like, oh, you're dead. Okay, let's just say you got 10 more seconds to live. What are you going to choose? Uh, and eventually they'll say something like, hug my kids or pet my dog or have sex or <laughs> because it gets them out of this mundane, you know, thought of what life is. Uh -huh. If you could always choose, if you could always choose differently, you know, go into something knowing that you can choose differently. It makes it a lot easier for you to take a step forward, you know? Yeah, it does. It does. So tell me a little bit about it going into, um, Live in the question and the light in the heavy circumstances. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> That's number four. Live as the question, not as the answer. That's the second half of that one. Uh -huh. So it's like when I say, um, I, I love it when, I, when I'll say this, and I can always tell when it's somebody that doesn't know me, because I'll say, how does it get any better than that? And they'll say, well, it can't. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's an answer. And it's not really an answer. They're answering me, but what they've done now is they've shut it down. You know, I'm like, if I'm going to, how does it get any better than this? Well, let's say you found, uh, let's say you found a $20 bill on the ground. How does it get any better than this? Maybe you win the lottery. How does it get any better than this? You know, it's, it's like that. You always want something better. The same thing if you trip and fall and skin your knee. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, okay, that's smart. How does it get any better than this? 
And what you do when you, because words have a lot of energy, people. When you when you are using words that are going to attract more for you, like how does it get any better than this? The universe hears you, and it will fall all over itself to show you how it can get better. It'll give you these other opportunities, or you know, the bag of money, or whatever it is. I mean, when you send that energy out there, but when you're like, oh, my life sucks. The energy here, you know, the the energy of that is perceived by the universe as. Oh, you want more of my life sucks. Okay, here's more of your life sucks. <laughs> you <know? laughs> Instead of, you know, how does it get any better than this? I mean, another one I like to use a lot, you know, living as a question is what else is possible now? Right. You know, it's like if I'm doing a class and um, it's like, for example, I had a, a class that's gotten moved like three times. It's summertime and people change their minds and they'd rather go to the lake. I live near a lot of lakes here in Nashville, Tennessee. And, that, and that's literally one of the excuses for someone not coming to a class that we move the date for them to be able to attend the class. And then they're like, yeah, I think I'm going to spend Saturday and Sunday out at the lake. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> what else is possible now? Well, then I did a book signing yesterday and literally one of the people that showed up that I'd never met before has signed up for this for this class that I'm teaching Sunday. So you just never know what's going to be created by your questions. But if you use if you know that the energy of your question is going to create, you're going to stop solidifying and trying to answer yourself. It's like um, in the morning, the first thing I say to myself is, who or what am I today and what glorious and grand adventure am I going to get into? And I don't start answering myself, well, I guess I could do this, I could do this, and I could do this. But I will follow the energy of it. I'm like, where should I put my attention now? Oh, this feels light. Whatever, where should I put my attention there? So on the light and heavy piece that you were asking me about, it's like what I was saying before. When when you feel happy, how your body gets really happy, it's almost like the you know the tail wa- wagging the dog. Yeah, that's light. That's lightness. Um, I'll give you an example of that. I had worked late one day and had promised a friend of mine I was going to go see a show. And it was an early show. It was a six o'clock show. And I already knew I was going to be arriving late. But I promised to go. And I said, is it light for me to go? And I asked the question. So truth body, is it light for me to go? And my body got that light, light tingly feeling. Because I have an agreement with my body that will tell me if something is heavy or light. So for me, that tingly feeling, or like my head feels like it's opening up, um, is light. And if it's heavy, I feel like someone's pushing me in the chest. So it was super light. And I thought, well, I don't really have any time. My hair was plaited. I put on a ball cap. Um, I had... Uh, shorts cut off at the knees, my Converse sneakers on, I mean, no makeup, so I put on lipstick, and I went, I went for it, because I thought, if I don't go now, he only does a two-hour set, I'm going to miss it, and he ends up pulling me up on stage, because I'm a singer, too, I think you guys know that, and I, um, I go up there with cowbell, and I start singing all the harmonies to all these Garth Brooks songs that my friend does, now, I'm a funk R&B singer, but, you know, I, music is music to me, and I just love all kinds of music, and so there I am performing, and then this Guy comes up to me afterwards with his wife, and he's French, he talks like this, and <laughs> gives me his card and says to me, are you, a, are, are you a performer? And I said, well, yeah, I, I perform in three different bands, and I have my own band, and uh, so we exchanged cards, and I surmised that he did jingles or something, because I get people that come up to me all the time, you know, wanting me to maybe go in the studio and record. And so, you know, I asked my body, truth, was this the person I was supposed, is this what this was about? It wasn't really about seeing my friend, it was about connecting with this person. I get a yes. He calls me the next day. He's done all his homework. He's been on um, YouTube. I have several websites. I mean, I've got, I've got a lot going on. And he knows he's done his homework. And he sets up to have an appointment with me a week later. Well, this guy, when I go to meet him, offers me a recording deal. 
And I ended up writing and recording seven songs, which I'll be releasing later this year. You were using that light and heavy feeling and you didn't get an answer. You were just going with the feeling and uh, I'll use your example. How can it get any better? There it is. You nailed it, Willie. Look what a simple tool that is. And the cool part about it is even if it doesn't turn out the way you think it's going to, it's leading you in the direction. It's like I went there because I thought it was about my friend. And it wasn't about my friend. You know, my friend's great. I love my friend. <laughs> it's not about that. I mean, I got to perform. That was fun. I thought, well, maybe that's what it was about. I, you know, even though I was in a ball cap and all this, I'm uh-huh. usually wearing a bustier and a wig. And I mean, I, I do wear some crazy get-ups when I'm on stage. I have a lot of fun with it. But it wasn't about that either. It was about this guy coming up to me. And I hadn't written songs since I was in the Paper Dolls, which is when I first moved to Nashville in 84. Wow. So... Here, you know, I'd I'd done a little bit of that, decided I didn't like getting paid in bar food and sleeping on people's couches. So (laughs) that's when I (laughs) I went towards uh, doing my broadcasting and communications, uh, put my that degree into play. But, you know, I I was always following the energy of it. You just never know where you're going to go when you are free like that. And I think that's probably the reason why you guys like to travel so much. Because you know it's always going to be an adventure, you know. Yes, adventure. It, well, yes. You know, interesting. Um, the going into that light and heavy thing, the uh, experience. I guess I had the other day or something of that nature. Well, I can't really go into much details, but I can say that I got offered a uh, talk show for Amazon, and oh. um, it requires me in a. Huh? How does it get any better than that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it, Oh, it, it does, because uh, I also got offered a recording contract back in May uh, when I was out in L.A., and I haven't done anything on it. So good for you for working on it, because I have not uh, done much on it, because I've not no, had no I've had no time. You've got to keep asking what else is possible now, you know? Yes. There's infinite possibilities. You could fold some time and space so that you could actually create the space. Well, I am working on that. Uh, we are definitely working on that because what we, what Willie and I have had to do is kind of balance out the drama and stress that's around us mm-hmm. and kind of push it, put it in a box and, you know, keep our box exclusive to who we are and focus on where we want to go instead of mm-hmm. allowing people to come in and tell us, hey, do this. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Um, well, you but can only think, does it feel light what they're offering me? And if it doesn't, it's so easy to say no because your body knows. It's so yes, st- absolutely. Well, going back into that, the, I had um, I have to have a co-host, and I had already casted a co-host, and she's a um, she she's a somewhat well-known person. I'm not going to say her name, but um, she she's a friend of ours, and we've known her for several years. And it and it came to the point when we were doing this show that we interviewed somebody and I had absolutely, I've met her once or twice, but never had that in-depth conversation, kind of like what we're having. And I got off that interview and I told Willie, I said, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. her and I are yep. like so compatible. It's not even funny. <laughs> so I <laughs> sat maybe with it is, my, Maybe it's not uh, funny, but it's fun. It is fun. But the problem I ran into is I told Willie, I said, I think her and I, our chemistry together is much better than mine and this other person's. And I go, I'm going to have to get rid of the other girl because oh. I don't, I don't think we're going to work together on successful on this show. And I, I couldn't figure out what was going on. So finally I got the nerve and I texted her and we had a conversation and she says, you know what? I've really got a lot going on right now. I think I'm just going to have to get out of the project. And she said one thing, cause I asked her, I said, is everything okay? She goes, 
everything has to align. And she goes, I think with you and I, we have a great relationship, but um, I just don't think the chemistry will be great for this show. And, and I'm like, Oh, okay. So immediately I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to go ask this person to now be my co-host. That's a good example of following the energy. Can you, can you acknowledge that Chris? Cause you, you exactly use that tool. You exactly yes. use that tool. So, but the problem of it is, is when you follow that stuff, you don't really comprehend that you're following it, and that it's happening until you're having these, excuse me, these sort of conversations, and it's kind of being pointed out in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the biggest problem with life in general is there's so much distraction and <laughs> there's so much negativity that gets in the way, and okay. it's like, oh my gosh, it it takes away from what the main focus of it is so yeah but you're absolutely right we've been working on following that energy because we haven't for so long we've been following everybody else's energy good and bad but we forgot our own and 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 meaning but if it doesn't if it doesn't work for you you know then you're, it, you're not you're not contributing anything i mean if they, exactly. they tell you something and it, and it doesn't work for you how is that a contribution you yes know? And, you know, in, in, uh, you know, I talked to somebody else and I talked to, because I confirmed with a couple of people before I made the decision to actually reach out to her. And they're like, well, you got to go where your heart is because, you know, one, it's your show. And two, if, um, you know, if you're going to go do your show, who are you going to be comfortable doing it with? And, you know, who do you know you're going to have that, that wonderful vibe with that you can leave at the end of the day and say, this isn't a job. This is my life. Um, you know, so, but yeah, that was interesting because when I felt heavy when I had to get rid of her, but then I felt light when she agreed with me and we kind of went in a, in a different direction on the sh- based off of the show. Does that make sense? Imagine, yes, absolutely. Yes. Makes sense to me. Imagine that if you had not gone with your knowing, you know, your receiving, perceiving, knowing, uh-huh. if you had not gone with that and you tried to force it what a disaster that could have created. And it may have even been a total oh, yeah. friendship. And that's what I mean by cutting your arms and legs off to fit into somebody else's reality. That's not, right. it's not a service. I mean, what if you being you is the gift to the world and you're squandering it because you're being what you think you're supposed to be? Well, I, mean, I have a huge smile on my face just <laughs> hearing you say that. Thank well, you, Rue. Thank you. Well, it's a true story. I mean, what if... I mean, okay, so for example, I mean, do you want anybody in your life that's not being themselves, being their authentic selves? And if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't mean you have to be friends or you don't have to be friends. I mean, it's like, you know, I want people to be themselves around me. Right. I don't have to hide anything or be a certain way or, you know, I have to, you know, have this status or whatever. If that doesn't work for you, then that's fine with me. I don't have a point of view. Right. You know, right. interesting point of view. They have that point of view. I don't exactly. have exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so about that. So you know. So what would you say to world a world of judgment? Could how how would we change a world of judgment? Could we or how would we do that? Well, you change you first. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, you make you you have choices. You make the choices that work for you, and you being you uh, in the world as an example to others, and then they're going to be like, hey, you know what? I want what you've got. And then you can share it with them. And, you know, it's person by person. I do one-on-one with people. And then when I teach these classes, it's so joyful for me to teach these classes because I know that each one of these people is going to go out there and change other people's lives, you know? So it's kind of like you, what is it, the hundredth monkey effect? (laughs) 
Everybody, have you heard of the hundredth monkey? Uh, vaguely. I, I haven't, but I think I know where, or I could have. These two different islands full of monkeys. And one of them, one of the islands, one of them learns to wash off the food in the ocean. And so they all learn that they can wash the dirt or mud or whatever off in the ocean. And once it got to the hundredth monkey, it was like the awareness of all the monkeys all over the planet uh, was heightened. And so they all telepathically knew even on another island hundreds of miles away where, you know, they didn't even know these other monkeys, they started washing off the fruit or whatever oh, it was. Wow. Whoa. You know, so it's, it's kind of like that where, or even telephone in a way, you know, one person tells another person, another person. Yeah. Tells. Right. Right. You know, it's a movement. I mean, access consciousness. Um, I believe it's, it's not been quite 30 years. And I was first introduced it in 2003 when it was very young and it was only in the United States. And now it's in 179 countries. I'm being oh, asked wow. to teach the 10 Keys to Total Freedom, which is based, you know, that, that class is around this book um, in Barcelona. So I'm going to go there, teach a right voice for you class, which is a three-day class. And then I'm going to teach this one-day class, um, the 10 Keys to Total Freedom. And I do this class on Zoom frequently. So if people are interested in <clears throat> taking that class, it's a, we basically go through, it's, basically go through the entire book and Q&A about all, kind of like what we're doing, uh, right. but more in depth about those particular 10 tools. And uh, so all of a sudden I've created being able to teach in Barcelona. So now my book is going to be translated in Spanish. Nice. Um, there's some interest in Brazil. So now my book is going to be translated in Portuguese. Um, <laughs> I'm getting dual citizenship because both my parents are Italian. And so I'm hoping to be able to also teach a class in Italy soon and um, I'm just very excited about it because I, I was talking or having a conversation with someone earlier today about how badly this planet needs to be choosing some some happiness, you know, that yeah, I agree. that is we wouldn't consider very happy things. And I didn't think this book was going to be that popular. I really thought <clears throat> some people were going to be, excuse me, were going to be angry with me for writing it. And yet it has just been the opposite. It was a bestseller in pre-sales. Uh-huh. Congratulations. Like, thank you. That's never happened before. My first two books, you know, were autobiographical and some uplifting. I mean, I, they were written to be inspirational, but this actually gives you pragmatic tools. And the first review I got was from a woman that said, so I read this book from this woman, Rudrani Davy, and I read it in one sitting and then I got up and I had lunch and I couldn't stop thinking about it. So I went back and reread the book again. And she goes, only one other time in my life have I read a book that I knew had already changed my life. And to read that, <laughs> I was like, wow, my work is done. If I can touch one person. Right. To be a bestseller and already be asked to be translated in different languages and access consciousness being in 179 countries, you know, what else is possible? How many languages could this book, you know, possibly create for itself? Because it's on its own now. It's like, it's like a child I am chasing. And I'm right. doing my best to keep up with it because I did <laughs> It to be so popular you know did you ever know that you wanted to help others yes i i think i've always known it even when it was a kind of an unhealthy thought and what i mean by that is trying to help people that didn't want to be helped right <laughs> you've got to be an allowance that some people just don't want to choose happy some people just don't want i mean for some reason their miserable pathetic life is working for them or they wouldn't be choosing right it. Exactly. I used to be that person that, oh, anybody, everybody can, yeah, everybody can change if they choose it. 
But, you know, now that I, that's one of the tools too, is being an allowance, you know, basically being allowance of people choosing or not choosing what you think uh, they should be choosing or not choosing. Because you know? <laughs> that's just your interesting point of view. <laughs> <laughs> so it tell be us exactly what works for them. Even if <laughs> yep. Because maybe they like things not working for them. You know, who knows? They choose that know. life. So yep. it makes so, my life a lot easier. So, yeah, I always knew I wanted to help people. Now I'm actually really helping them because I am I'm doing it from a healthy perspective. You know, very nice. Well, it works. It's definitely uh, good advice. So uh, give us your website and tell us how our listeners can get this wonderful book. Oh, yay. Well, it's on um, it's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. But if you go to www.rudranidevi.com, that's R-U-D-R-A-N-I-D-E-V-I.com. Um, there's a link that takes you, I believe it takes you to, to uh, Amazon, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. I don't do my websites, but <laughs> other people for that. And the funny thing is, is I also on that particular website have the website to my aromatherapy company, um, to my Reverb Nation page, which has four of my original songs on it, um, which I'm I fluctuate between the second and the third um, ranking funk artist. <clears throat> excuse me, funk artist. See, <laughs> this is what happens when you don't take allergy meds anymore. You have to kind of suffer through it. <laughs> um, so they can find it there. Um, I also have a website for um, concert dates. I also have a website for the book. The book has its own website, which is pretty Very interesting. Nice. And of course, your uh, your blog will be mentioned on it as well. As I do all these interviews and whatnot, they're all as seen as or as heard heard in blah blah blah. So well, thank oh, you. Thank, well, you. thank you. And well, one we- final question before uh, we kind of wrap it up because I know we're going a little bit longer than what we thought, but it's been a great conversation. Yes, yes, oh, I loved it. Thank you. Um, it's I don't want to say it's a job interview question, but I get this all the time. But <laughs> where do you hope to be in five years after all this? Oh my goddess. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, truthfully, I'm already perceiving it because it's kind of happening to me already. I had really wanted to teach abroad, and I've I've never taught a class. You know, I've I have I have done Zoom calls across the globe, but I've never had my body there. You know what I'm saying? I've taken several classes, you know, in in other countries, but I've not uh, been teaching in other countries, and that's what I see myself doing: teaching more. Um, getting this access consciousness movement out there, showing people that there's another way. You know, I, I'm going to spend these, these last breaths of mine doing everything I can to show people that they can choose differently. And that's what I perceive no being received in this 10 seconds. Rue, it has been a delight catching up with you um, as always. And uh, we will have to get together again uh, if it's on the beach or whenever we Across Nashville again. It's been forever since we've been to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a live show on the 21st of September with my original material. So if you guys happen to be coming through then, little plug, people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that'll be on my website as well. So Very nice. Yeah. Well, we totally appreciate it. Thank you for coming on the show, sharing mm-hmm. all this great information and allowing us to read this wonderful book. It was a great book. Um uh, sorry, we're not going to send it back. We're going to keep it. <laughs> <laughs> please, please hold on to scribble in it, share it with others. And oh, thank we will. you so much for, for having me on, the, on this lovely conversation. I've had a blast. You can't get any more inspiring than that. Yeah. Choose your happiness. What better way to set a goal in your life I is agree. choosing your happiness. 
happiness is important. Nothing else matters. Nobody else matters. If you can't be happy, then why? Why not? So go choose your happiness. Go to her website. Go buy the book. Highly recommend it. Uh, worth it. Worth it. Worth it. We want to thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Yes, we definitely love you guys like always. Spread the word. Help us out. Get more people involved. We'd appreciate it. But we're pretty much wrapped up. We want to thank Rojani for coming on. Go get her book, Choosing Happiness. It's worth it. I promise you. But next week, we got another whole episode of What About Our Life with Chris and Will. Another topic, another great guest. But in the meantime, thank you for coming by to this episode. We love you guys. But it's time for us to go. So much love to you. Bye. Bye.